This is the Picard Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Episode 4, No Win Scenario. It's a wonderful idea, Jean-Luc, but in a moment, a hundred things could go wrong. I cannot choose certain death. Diana. Diana would say it's about trust. Look where we are, here, all of us, in this moment. So let's do what we spent our entire lives learning to be great at. We've been here before, Will. If this is the end, let's face it together, doing what we know we do best. Fellow Trekkies and Trekkers, this is TV Podcast Industries. We are back talking about Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Episode 4, No Win Scenario. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Trekkies. I am your blob in the vase, John. <laughs> oh, damn. I was going to go for that, too. <laughs> wow. I am Chris. Damn, this, we're, very, we're in sync. You could be a, a blob sort of trying to fit into the conduits. Or I'm just a blob in a cup. How's that? There we go. <laughs> Hang on a second. What you're saying here is... I'm surrounded by changelings. Maybe. Probably. <laughs> oh, I might have to ask you a question and see if you know the answer to it. I will not know the answer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Neither will I. Oh, there we go. Now I know you're not changelings. You would have pretended you, you did know the answers. Uh, but welcome back, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. Uh, looking forward to chatting about this episode. This was a really good episode of Picard. It really was, yeah. It really, really, really enjoyed it. like old, old Next Generation, didn't it? It did a bit, certainly with old uh, space jellyfish. <laughs> Although I was thinking they were calamari at some point. I think they had suckers on them. Um, I don't think they were exactly like jellyfish no, in space. No, so they, they, were, they are allowed to design them slightly yeah, differently. A unique, <laughs> a unique thing. Yes. Um, riding the wave. Exactly. Yes, very oceanic. <laughs> this was great. This for me felt very much like OG Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, had, it ticked all the boxes. They boldly go where no one's gone before. <laughs> they they, literally. Seek, they <laughs> seeked out new life. Yep. Literally. literally. Yep. Like, it was like, what's the checklist for a good Star Trek episode? <laughs> chick, 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 chick. Done. Cool. Let's go. Absolutely. They threw an asteroid at a ship. I awesome. was like, come on. Yeah. Yep. And, they, and they even referenced probably everybody's favorite episodes of uh, of each of the series, I think, uh, as, yeah. they, as they went through in, in conversation or in background. So, uh, so yeah, lots of, uh, lots of great stuff for this episode. But thanks once again for joining us. Uh, if you haven't s- subscribed to the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast by popping over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, you can find 
a way to subscribe to any of our versions of the podcast. We have one specifically for Picard. And we also have our main feed, which covers everything that we're talking about on the podcast, including The Last of Us, season one, which finishes next week. I know. And that other science fiction fantasy show set in a galaxy far, far away. We're talking about Star Wars, The Bad Batch, not The Mandalorian. <laughs> the, the bad bats. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so lots and lots of stuff going on at the moment in the TV podcast industries. So subscribe over there. We also want to hear your thoughts uh, as the rest of the series goes on and on Star Trek Picard. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries where you can go onto one of our spoiler posts and share your thoughts on any of the episodes we're covering. Yes, good stuff. Uh, let us get into our spoiler-filled discussion, though, of episode four, No Win Scenario. Mm-hmm. Derek, what are some of the episode details? One I keep forgetting to include each week. Uh, the show is created by Akiva Gilsman, Michael Shabon, Christian Bear, and Alex Kersman as well. But the series producer, of course, is Terry Metalis, who wrote this episode <laughs> along with Sean Tretta. This is the uh, fourth episode, I think, uh, that, that Sean Tretta has written. Uh, he wrote episode two of this season two and will write episode nine of the season. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, so all heavily involved. As we've mentioned, this is a big family behind the scenes as well as in front of the scenes. So uh, lots of writers that are coming back on board for each episode. Uh, once again, directed by the wonderful number one himself, Jonathan Fricks. Captain, I think you'll find. Yes, he's captain, of course, at the moment. Um, but there has been some great behind-the-scenes interviews um, and and uh, behind-the-scenes material released this week of Jonathan Frakes directing on yes, this season of indeed. Picard. It's been really interesting to watch. He's been comparing what it was like directing back in the day on uh, on Next Generation, where they put like a mark on the wall and that's supposed to represent an alien that's uh, that will be replaced later. And now with all the advances in technology, it's almost like working live so uh so yeah m- m- some great stuff go check that out uh john do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Trek picard season three episode four no in scenario sure having damaged the uss titan vadic reveals a new form of long distance communications as she removes an arm to contact her superior ouch <laughs> she is told to pursue the titan at all costs but her powerful portal gun will be destroyed along with her entire crew when they re-enter the nebula. Wisely choosing not to fail her mission, she dumps the unwieldy portal technology and continues her cat-and-mouse game. But the Titan is too damaged to run both propulsion and life support for more than a few hours. Riker admits Picard was right about attacking Vadic earlier, but as all seems lost, he suggests that John Luke spends his last moments bonding with his newfound son, Jack. Picard takes Jack to the 10 Forward program on the holodeck, a program powered separately from all systems to allow crew members a place to go when under extreme circumstances like these. Picard and Jack tell each other some of their adventures, but are joined by Shaw, who bitterly recounts his experiences as an engineer during Starfleet's battle with the Borg at Wolf 359. He reveals he blames Picard for the deaths that day while he was part of the Borg collective. However, the anomaly starts discharging energy pulses, and Beverly monitors the timing and proposes that the anomaly is actually a space creature about to give birth. Riker, Beverly, Jack and Picard form a highly risky plan to harness the energy pulses for recharging the ship's systems and ride them out of the nebula. But with the changeling saboteur still on board, they enlist Shaw and Seven's help. They work together to find and kill the changeling imposter, 
their plan works. And as the Titan utilizes the anomaly's energy pulses, passing Vadic's ship, that Riker then destroys using its tractor beam to fling an asteroid at the Shrike, dealing it great damage. The crew of the Starfleet vessel escapes the nebula amid the newborn jellyfish-like space creatures. They definitely destroyed a few with the warp. They warped <laughs> yeah. off. It was yeah. just like splash, 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 splash. <laughs> they should just no. put put nets behind them, and it's kind of like space fishing. <laughs> wow! Yeah, exactly. They have a uh, nice calamari. I think they've grown beyond that. Yes, they just replicate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they could just feed the uh, feed them feed it into the menu in the replicator instead. If I was Jean Luc, it would be calamari deep fried. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I like calamari. Uh, Tend not warp to eat singed. Singed. <laughs> yeah, warp singed. Oh, just yeah, char grilled. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Okay. Space barbecue to go with the space surfing. Oh, clearly we're all very hungry tonight as we've started recording the episode. So uh, we will move on with our major moments from the episode. Let's get into our uh, our first moment, our our uh, minor moment of the episode. Make it so, number one. So this is usually a kind of a quote or a moment that stood out to you, a small moment that stood out to you. Chris, do you want to kick us off with your first moment? 100%. So <laughs> the second we watched this, I messaged you guys, when, when you're finished, please let me know. I want to tell you my favorite quote of this whole episode. <laughs> and there's a few good ones in there, really there to point out. But there's just one golden one that encapsulates Shaw, uh-huh. that encapsulates scene, and just kind of... A lot of, I felt like I could use this in my everyday life. Um, but that quote is, forgive me, at some point, a-hole became a substitute for charm. Nice. Oh, just, it encapsulates his character, mm-hmm. where he is, that moment. It encapsulates that he was charming at some point, because mm-hmm. you know it is there. Todd Sastrick delivers it amazingly absolutely and it's just like you're like i could use that in my everyday life and it will sound amazing yeah yeah you're not an a-hole chris ah thank you (laughs) but i can't be (laughs) it's when i turn the charm on i i was wondering whether being ironic (laughs) no i wasn't i I was wondering whether john was practicing his changeling there uh, no, yeah, I'm sorry, exactly. Chris. Only joking. <laughs> only joking. Hey, look. At least I can substitute it. That's the only thing. <laughs> hey, so I like it. other hey. people can. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, and John, how about yourself? What's your favorite uh, line my, from the episode? Mine's kind of another sure one, but it, it's the pitter patter with seven of nine as she kind of goes to enlist his help to find the changeling saboteur uh, on board. So it's kind of a, a string of quotes here. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I did kind of like. Just Shaw's, um, you know, he's telling Seven of Nine to find them. You really need to ask them a question that you know the answer to um, and see if they get it wrong. And Mm -hmm. it just goes, simple question, wrong answer, boom, changeling. (laughs) But it's then how he kind of then moves that off after some more conversation with her and goes... Look, we got off on the wrong foot. I I underestimated you. You have great instincts, are loyal. You're a natural leader. You'll be a great captain one day, is what I would say. And then Seven of Nine finishes, if you were a changeling and not just a dick. (laughs) I just thought it was really, really good. Because I just, in that first instance, I thought, oh, this is kind of where, you know, there's the sure Seven of Nine kind of love in. He's finally you know giving her respect and it's just i love the turn and i love the response 
of seven of nine here. Um, this was really, really good um, seeing these two uh, together, actually, in this episode yeah, as well. absolutely. Absolutely. Some great moments uh, between them all. Uh, and Shaw is such a great character in this show. Yeah. You know, I think we could probably have picked uh, another five lines uh, from Shaw from this episode. It's great, great moments. Definitely. Excellent stuff. Derek, what about yourself? There were some great funny lines, as you, as you pointed out, but there is one line in the episode or one moment in the episode that kind of encapsulates all of Star Trek for me and why I love Star Trek, really. And it's the moment where Picard's um, kind of reminiscing with the uh, with the young ensigns who are... Uh, this is the five years the five before. years earlier, yeah, 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 and 10 forward. Getting a lot of use out of that set, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I like. <laughs> they built it for last season, and they're using it uh, this season. But uh, but when he's unable to eat his dinner um, uh, because they're asking him so many questions, there is a great moment where he where he kind of recants something he'd said previously. He's kind of talking about no win scenarios before, but um, they're all a bit worried because he's had so many adventures, and they're all worried that if they get themselves into those situations, how would they deal with it effectively? And Picard gives them the piece of advice, which is the fundamental part of Star Trek, really, to me, which is, uh, he says to them, there will be a time where you have to remember that no matter how bleak or unwinnable a situation, as long as you and your crew remain steadfast in your dedication one to another, you are never with ever without hope. And it just sounds so Picard. It sounds so Star Trek. It's the yeah. fundamental that it's based on all the crew working together. Yeah, I do love the cut because they are showing that it might look like um, like this is an O-win situation, but we're right at the start of the episode. Picard's giving this speech to some people. Don't worry, they're going to get out of this at the end all by working together is the is the whole point. But I, I do like that. It might be hopeless, but there is always hope uh, in the background. So, yeah, great moment for me. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it is. It's a great, um, a great line. It felt really Jean-Luc. Um, I, I, you know, the sentiment of it is just so fine mm -hmm. really um so yeah great great quote excellent stuff will we go on to our our uh our medium moments from the episode yeah implement the omega directive immediately so our omega directive our medium moment from the episode uh, who wants to kick us off first on this one john yep i'll i'll, uh, I'll take uh, my medium moment um it, it's really worth seven of nine and sure working together to to get the titan ready for this you know outlandish plan that has been put together and mm -hmm. um, to draw the energy from the the pulsating anomaly um or space creature uh in order to fire up the engines and get their life support back uh, uh online so I, I i just really like that i mean i mentioned the quote in in shaw's quarters yeah and that's kind of part of it really but it but it is also just you know as they're there working on it it ultimately forms the plan uh, for Seven of Nine and Shaw to draw out this changeling, this imposter, mm -hmm. um, and you know this this wolf in sheep's clothing, in a sense. And uh, you know we see earlier not wolf in sheep's clothing. No, wolf. you know we we, <laughs> yeah. we see um, we see earlier Seven of Nine taking Shaw's advice mm -hmm. and, and looking for this this vase. Uh, where you know the blob has to of the blob substance of the changelings mm -hmm. need to to rest uh, part of them so that they can regenerate. You know this in, this thing as well that Worf also mentioned about them being away from the Great Link and um, for an extended period of time, uh, and 
her having yeah. to take out one of the the officers or the changeling um who then manages to squirm his way through yeah. um the the conduits yeah so it's effectively they can't keep their shape for too long they have to they have to yeah. fall down into their they have to relax yeah yeah effectively like, i guess yeah it, it, it's like tensing a muscle for too yeah. long it's like stand, otherwise they'll get cramped day. yeah but they leave residue everywhere yeah. exactly i like that i like the residue joke i must say the version of the uh of the changeling as it uh, collapses to the ground and oozes out i think that looks so cool uh, like obviously it, they were very heavily featured in deep, deep space nine and the cga at the time wasn't as good of course so it always just looked like a slightly beige liquid was pretty much They're, what it is I, yeah a bad puddle essentially yeah you kind of, kind of but you know they, they had a kind of a, a glow a glow to it you know they, they did everything they could at the time but now you can almost see muscles in it you can almost see yeah like you know the the features of whatever form it had taken uh melting away within that ooze i think it looks really cool it looks uh much much more creepy and evil looking in this form than it used to in the past yeah no it 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 looks really good i didn't understand why phasers can cut as well mm-hmm. so why she just didn't like cut and like push it like almost like just like hey i'm gonna slice off this part part of the blob as it runs away didn't they used to do that on one or two of the phasers well, maybe they did maybe they did yeah, yeah yeah i think maybe they have to change the uh change the setting and she was setting. she was trying to fight back quickly maybe she was trying to shoot versus cut. Yes, exactly. Ah, it's that, yeah. that old knife to a gunfight. <laughs> that old chestnut, exactly. Yes. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I liked how ultimately you have throughout this episode, seven and nine, working with Sean, it coming mm-hmm. to a head where he's the using his previous engineering experience in order to get the, the hyperdrive wings open so that they can charge up. But it was also to draw out the changeling. Yeah set that trap because they will do everything they can to prevent um the titan from leaving exactly and so i I just thought it was good though because it's nice and tense in that moment because you've you know you've got two minutes to get both of them open and Mm -hmm. and all that and then you have um ensign laforge coming down and again seven of nine using shaw's uh advice and she uses Commander Hansen instead of Commander Seven, yeah. and so as a result, we have LaForge. But I, I was kind of wondering because it, it is teed up quite clearly. Um, stay up the, we don't need any help, mm-hmm. and then you have uh, LaForge, and I'm like going, okay, that'd be really interesting. Yeah, LaForge is a bridge officer, but as she walks in, she does kind of say. Uh, that really weird moment where she goes, but my uh, my father is a really uh, big engineer as well. Of course, I'm going to come down and help you for this. And you're kind of going, yeah, I guess you'd say something like that if you were the real LaForge. But I guess so. it seems odd to walk into every room and introduce yourself as the daughter of the great engineer, <laughs> Jordy LaForge. These people know you. They're your shipmates, right? That's it. <laughs> I think the other thing for me, it just clarified that changelings don't have to kill the person that they're replicating. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. They don't have to. Exactly. You can understand yeah. for the transporter ensign because the guy is going to be on there for the full duration. Mm-hmm. And so having, you know, the, the changeling would have to keep adjusting and being other people. And, yes. you know, there could be that really awkward moment, uh, a bit like in Terminator <laughs> two, where suddenly uh-huh. you're face to face with yourself. Yes, exactly. exactly. So like, 
that was a good clarification. It was for, for it myself. Was. And, and another really interesting one that might have escaped your notice when uh, when Seven is explaining about the changeling being on board. She says the changeling, changeling was on board four or five days before they went to pick up Jack. So in other words, the changeling is not there to get Jack Crusher. The changeling is just aboard this vessel and is kind of enacted upon, I guess, is told he now has to do whatever he can do to sabotage the ship so they can get Jack Crusher. So it's not the mission of the changeling aboard this ship, it seems, to get yep. Jack Crusher because they never knew the Titan was going anywhere near Jack Crusher. This is just yep. an infiltration of this changeling, which I thought was really interesting. So they could be everywhere. I think that's what we're going to get in the next couple of episodes, mm-hmm. yeah. which is like, trust no one, trust everyone, trust no one. They they, they walk among us. Exactly. exactly. Basically, as, they live. Well, as we <laughs> said last week, it's a it's secret invasion in space, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just, that's my medium moment. Yeah. In some ways, it stretches across all of the episodes exactly. of with Seven of Nine and Shaw, to some degree, begrudgingly working together. But, you know, the the teamwork coming in here uh, from Shaw and so, uh, yeah, so I, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, me too. I, I, I think I'm trying to think of the line. It was something that I really enjoyed from Shaw, where he was kind of going, "Oh, let me guess, you need someone to hotwire the nacelles, and nobody knows how to do that but me." <laughs> I just I just kind of like the idea of hotwiring the nacelles, <laughs> uh, as if it's some kind of hot rod. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, how about yourself, Chris? What's your what's your medium moment for the episode? I'm actually going to take the space jellyfish. Do it. I'm going to take that. The fun part of the the seek out new life forms part of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy this part where it's like they let the writers kind of creativity and imagination go wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And kind of like, hey, anywhere in space, there are all these weird things. Do you know what? Maybe a nebula is a big jellyfish and in order for it to essentially give birth to its spawn and offspring, it has to collapse on itself and expel all of these jellyfish, these, its offspring. Yeah. And I was like, once you start getting into it, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Like giving off energy. It's a contraction. Mm-hmm. And then at that end, seeing that beautiful sight of all of the space jellyfish, whatever <laughs> we're going to call them. Getting yeah. run over by but, the Titan. Yeah, <laughs> squish. It has those windows. <laughs> exactly. It's oh my God. just like <laughs> destroy it's a beautiful like, oh. moment with John Harrison. There we go. Um, but <laughs> it, that's why I love him. Uh-huh. Um, but that's the fun part of it. Like it's just seeing the 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 what if of space mm-hmm. of species of the fun part of seeking exactly. new life forms. And I again, it looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. So. Over the years, Star Trek has had many kind of iterations, and the, the as the, the years go by, special effects get better and better. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the most beautiful. Like I have, if anyone knows, I have Philips Hue around my uh, basically a Hue strip, as, which syncs to my TV, mm-hmm. so the lights kind of dispel out onto my wall mm-hmm. uh, based on where they are on the screen on the TV. So what we end up getting here, I have lights and other places. So I had this cinema strobe of the lights kind of going in sync with the basically when the screen was going back to the inside of the dark inside mm-hmm. of the Titan and then outside to the beautiful kind of opulence of the, these space jellyfish wow, kind of with cool. their fluorescent. That's cool. And it just, it was like, 
that's why you want like that's why I enjoy watching Avatar. Mm. I love this type of do you know what? Take my take me on yeah. a journey of imagination. Exactly. Well and that was just perfect. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. You know, it, it's 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 like with the dark drive in Discovery, and but also with the tar, tardigrades, you know the mm. yes a, and that yes. you know this idea of things being able to survive, live, breed in space. Mm-hmm. But it is you know in, there's a fantastical element to it here um, with the the space jellyfish or, or cal- slash calamari, and it's uh, but it is it's really good because sometimes you know things are played just you know possibly too straight it, it depends on what what the story is what the show is and you know star trek's always had that great ability to come up with completely mm-hmm. i mean sometimes it doesn't always work but like naughty new new life yeah uh, that's yeah. been discovered and like you say chris it's it's part of the, the you know the mission it's part of their vision and it's good to have that in the show well exactly and that's uh, that's probably the most interesting thing you know the complaint about star trek is that it's gotten away from its roots quite a lot because it tends to be an adventure show much more than an exploratory show and a science science fiction show at sometimes and if you think about how many years we've been past you know the, the shows that used to be 26 27 episodes where they were discovering new life in the universe we're now at the stage where they're telling eight episode arcs 10 episode arcs or just a movie those are action adventure orientated and usually feature creatures and characters we've met before because you know if you're it's a, it's a great way put an antagonist in there put a put a romulan in there, in there put a klingon in there ground then they all have a battle that's the end of the episode kind of thing whereas yeah. being able to put in even though this is only a 10 episode series being able to put in a brand new species and show something brand new in a, in a galaxy, in a universe that's filled with things we haven't discovered, really speaks to the origins of the show. I think that's really cool. And Farpoint, Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah. Literally yeah. the origins of the next generation had an entity, Jellyfish, go back to space at the end of the part two. Like, that was, and okay, yes, we had Q, but that's a separate kind of bit, but... We we already dealt with Q last season. We did. <laughs> um, so this again reminded me of just what I was like. Oh my god! This what drew, drew me in very much in the very first episode mm-hmm. of Next Generation. So yeah, that that is my point. The the seeking out new life forms. Excellent, excellent. You know, one other thing I really like about this scene and this what? concept is that it's all because of Doctor Beverly Crusher on board. Um, it's a doctor using her abilities in space to identify this new creature and this new species. They would not have known it unless Beverly Crusher was using all of her instincts, doing what she does best, effectively. To uh, And it it was a nice little moment because you see her counting down and then the pulse coming. Mm -hmm. And you're like going, oh, has she encountered this particular species before in her travels with with Jack? But Mm -hmm. she's she's in the the medical bay. Yeah. There's no outside windows. It's it's simply that timing in, in terms of the contractions mm-hmm. of this um, space creature. So, it, yeah, yeah, it was. It was really good. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's to the point. There were a lot of really good, um, I want to say old school moments here. It was just those elements that, you know, we've seen across the history of Star Trek, it feels coming, like Star Trek yeah. coming in and... Yeah. You know, making it really feel trekky. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it was great. Uh, Derek, what about your medium moment? 
I'm going to go to Vadik for my medium moment. Um, just because I just thought it was a really shocking moment. As You know, we were kind of talking about it last week. We weren't really too sure about, about who Vadik is. We were still trying to work out what our connection is with, um, with this crew, with Jack, with Picard, with the Titan. What is it, you know? So here we, I guess we're, it's confirmed she's a changeling, right? I guess that's the yeah. confirmation here. But it's a weird way um, to use her as a changeling as she cuts off her arm and creates this um, this communication method to her boss um, as it you know transforms into the the face of Bo or the face of her boss. Sorry, um, and they start talking to her through her own hand. Effectively, it's a, it's a really interesting um, moment. Um, we're effectively hearing from Vadik that, as far as she's concerned, they've destroyed the ship. I'm really sorry, Jack was on board that ship. I know you wanted them, but. Sorry, they're probably going to be dead now. And uh, being told, no, you have to pursue. You have to get that asset back. That is what we have you doing here. So Jack is the most important thing here. Um, and they're willing to sacrifice not only Vadik, but the crew and the ship, the Shrike, in order to get it. So um, always really good in a show where you have a villain for a few episodes and then find out they have a boss that they're scared of, right? And so yeah. scared that she <laughs> that she ditches the massively powerful weapon, the portal weapon that uh, that she's been using, and that obviously took a lot for them to get, just ditches it so that she can fulfill the mission that she's been told she has to fulfill. I li- yeah, exactly. Um, I did like the fact that the portal technology had Daystrom labelled on it yes. as it was ditched. I thought that was a good little touch. I, and had, to, I had to rewind that about three times well, because exactly. you could see some some writing on it and you were going, I bet you that says Daystrom. Yeah. <laughs> just need to rewind it. Just confirm it. Yeah. But I think as well, yeah, just this form of communication was just really good. And mm-hmm. again, just the way it was done, I guess that is her boss in terms of their true form because yeah. the form is coming through as a changeling. It'd be interesting to see what you know, form is taken by this superior if they have to, you know, go into a particular situation. Well, exactly. Yeah. But uh, it was really cool. It, yeah, shocking because I, I just thought it, she was going to cut something. It felt like a sacrificial type bowl or something, mm. rather than having this conversation. So mm. yeah, it, it, I thought it was uh, pretty. <laughs> pretty cool it was nice yeah. sort of touchy and i'm guessing that they can communicate possibly because vadik has been closer to the great link it's to do with that maybe. great link possibly between changelings maybe i don't know yeah. i don't know yeah. i'm just saying like as a form of communication that's special. It is very special, definitely. It is <laughs> yeah, very special. Quite special. Just a, just a reminder of one of the things that we heard earlier on in the season, that these are a faction of changelings. This yeah. isn't the changelings that were in the battle against uh, against the, the Federation. This is a group that is split off from the changelings no, who exactly. don't agree what happened. So the Great Link, I think, is where all the changelings live, and this is another group who have their own link, I guess. Okay, but I just wondered... <laughs> it's the, it's if, kind of the less than Great Link. I, I just wondered... Yeah. They can utilize that in order to have those communications, mm. and also just because of the the flashes and the voices that Jack was hearing mm. right at the end, mm-hmm. you know. So is he an undercover changeling um, that doesn't know he's a changeling? Doesn't know he's or, a changeling in order to, you know, that's why they're after him or something, or, mm-hmm. or you know. 
it's just because of that connection that he had when you hear the 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 voices of I'm guessing this this superior, mm-hmm. uh, but also it, it sounded like Vadik as well, saying you know find me together soon. Um, so again, absolutely, th- this idea of the col- a, a collectiveness about the changelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. So that was one thing that I was going to raise later. Um, very interested to see where this goes. Mm-hmm. Is it like because Jack would have had to have changed back by this point yeah. if he was a changeling? Yeah. So is it more like he's a changeling savior? He's their Jesus Christ kind of figure, and he's going to bring in a new future, blah, 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 something with the Great Link. Right. Who knows? Or did Crusher fall into the ooze when she was at that planet, and then she part of it mixed with her DNA and Picard's DNA, and that's something weird because... Just that ending was like, okay, I'm seeing like, what? Yeah, <laughs> it was just like it's apocalypse. Yeah. What's going on? Like, I really like. I know why they're doing it that way, mm-hmm. but it was just like, okay, we finished arc one of this season. Yep, that's enough to set you into arc two. Exactly, um, and let's give you a nice cliffhanger to come back next week. Yeah. The the one thing I was gonna say just on Vadik's boss. Mm-hmm. Is now that he's a changeling, or she's a changeling, mm-hmm. or they're a changeling, it allows us very quickly to get one-off, very quick cameos by previous next gen or kind of stars in the inevitable face-off with Picard. Maybe so you could literally have them facing off together, talking to each other, and at one moment they become X person or the 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 time after they become another well-known person from next generation and mm-hmm. another and another and another scene 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 and then you get that fan service but at the same point like they don't need to be back for a whole season absolutely for, like yeah. a split episode yeah you have a you have a great way to bring in tom hardy if you want to get a cameo from one of the biggest actors in the world uh, yeah exactly <laughs> you go oh who would probably do it probably because would. seemingly he enjoyed that time yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love the idea. That's that's why changes are cool in this universe. Yep, very much so. Yeah, definitely. And I'm going to throw this in here because I can't think of it anywhere else to put it. But um, but the final moments of uh, of Vadik as well um, from the episode where we have the uh, cool moment with uh, with um, Riker throwing the uh, meteor through the shri- <laughs> through the shrike uh, to take it out, and it doesn't seem to be destroyed. But just before it, we have. Vadik giving this amazing line of if you open the jaw wide enough and event- eventually the prey runs right into the mouth of the beast. I just love that because again we're talking about this predator and prey. Yeah. This is how the cat and mouse game that she likes to play but it's it's a great line from her. Definitely. Yeah. I mean I think the Shrike was pretty damaged. D- disabled yeah. like to the to the point where it could also be drawn then into the gravity well. So I, I'm wondering, will we be seeing Vadik again, mm. to be honest? Um, yeah. I'm not too sure, given the final moments exactly. where you hear her voice. Yeah. But possibly, you know, it seemed pretty terminal for the Shrike in that moment, given what all her um, crew were saying about, again, similar life support and, and all this yes. beginning well, to fail uh, aboard you know, the Shrike. John, if they all work together... 
keep their heads about them and trust each other. Not, it's not all hopeless. They don't do it on those kind of ships. <laughs> How do you know? I don't I know. know. I'm just assuming. It's only Starfleet that where that happens. If they are all um, changelings and they all merge together and create their own Great Link on board, maybe they can survive. You never know. Yeah. There you go. There you maybe. go. And Give also- them some hope. Yeah, exactly. And also, I like the fact that Riker effectively using from her playbook, from Vadik's yeah. playbook, it, when she flung uh, Beverly's ship, uh, uh-huh. the Elios, at the Titan. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He does that. He does that with the meteor. Yeah. yeah. So pretty good. Good stuff. That's the medium moments. I think we need to go into the big moments from the episode. We must face the ramifications of the Prime Directive. So who wants to start with the big moment? I think we'll go back to John now. Because. Yeah, well, I think we need to face uh, Jean-Luc Picard, the ramifications of you being le, the cutest of uh, Borg, or Lucutius <laughs> of Borg. Um, he will never get away from the, that, uh, that, that, that transformation. Absolutely. And neither should he, because, yeah. I mean, it was fantastic for a start. Again, mm-hmm. just touching the references of Picard becoming Lucutius, uh, but also then um, the Wolf 359 mm-hmm. battle where effectively Starfleet's armada to prevent the Borg from traveling to Earth to assimilate them all with with all of Jean-Luc Picard's knowledge assimilated into the Borg collective mm-hmm. uh, fails yeah. uh, pretty badly mm-hmm. uh, for, yeah. for Starfleet. Yeah. So, I, like, I, I thought this was really a good sort of just putting in a fantastic aspects of the next generation. But here in this moment were, you know, Shaw has been, you know, distant at odds with Riker and uh, Jean-Luc all this time. Uh, and including the seven of nine as, you know, a loyal ally to uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Mm-hmm. And, and we get to hear um, his drug-fueled tale of what happened on that day. He Well, he says he comes into 10 forward into the holographic, mm-hmm. the holo, holodeck. He does say, forgive me, you know, your mother gives quite a lot of meds. <laughs> like he's kind of swimming around. Um, so I like the fact that he tells his story of effectively his first meeting with John Luke, you know, and as he opens it to John Luke saying, you know, do you remember the time when we first met? And mm-hmm. he starts to talk about the star date and you see the recognition on John Luke's face and then mm-hmm. Wolf 359 uh, and that battle with the Borg. Um, the the eleven thousand dead, but you know the personal story of they were following orders and they were at the uh, escape pods or the escape chamber, mm-hmm. uh, and but were just waiting there until a superior effectively and by chance pointed at Shaw along with two others to say, "You go, yeah, you're the ones that will survive this," and he you know, blames Picard uh, for, you know, what happened there, that trauma um, that he got from it mm-hmm. in in effectively being ordered to leave all his friends and shipmates um, as he was ordered to effectively go to safety. Well, exactly. Um, yeah. And um, I, I just thought it was... 
I just thought it was really, really good. I like how Shaw has always challenged these two in mm-hmm. this si- series, in this season, I should say, so far. And, I, you know, it, it's also to the credit of um, Patrick Stewart because Picard is shaken here. You know, it's I understand. It's, yeah. it's yeah. the thing he's got to, the trauma he's got to live with as well. Mm-hmm. But he understands this response um, of of other Starfleet officers that may have been at that huge, uh, disastrous battle for, for Starfleet. And, Absolutely. you know, he he ultimately leaves here. And, I mean, it's all as well coming off the back of trying to reclaim some memories with his son, Jack, mm-hmm. in the, the holodeck as well. And um, so it, it's just that counterpoint to it mm. you know i mean it's not necessarily going particularly well with jack either but no. this just makes the whole situation even more awkward uh well, for yeah. jean-luc picard and and and, and in, in these final moments to to try and get to know uh jack as well yeah. so I, I i found this really really good uh, i really enjoyed just that being brought up you know you yeah. can imagine Shaw in his last moments just wanting to get that off his chest well, exactly. as well and he's picking his moment he's specifically yeah. saying it in front of jack because picard is trying to reconnect with his son he's almost saying to him uh hang on a second do you know what the, who this guy is just before yeah. before yeah. he tells you all of the great deeds that he's done over the over the last couple of decades he was Lakitus Borg. there was 11,000 people that died because of the knowledge that was in his brain um that's a it's, it's a really big moment there for Sean and and you're right it is a moment that he has to get it off his chest but uh this is something that Picard has had to put up with and had to deal with since that since that moment i think the biggest example of that is probably once again, another DS9 connection is Captain Sisko because he lost his uh, his wife um, during Wolf 359, so um, leaving him a, a single parent, effectively. And mm-hmm. he always had a problem with Picard. We saw that the first time they were ever ever met each other. He always had a problem with Picard because of that. So uh, nice to kind of have another call back to Deep Space Nine as well here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and the, the interesting thing is a lot of this week has been... Um, news reports of kind of certain character or certain actors saying oh I'm back I'm not back or I may be back right. kind of thing so like you have Chakotay who's saying he well, he's not a, he's not back at all they approached him he decided against him. okay I'm surprised uh, they even approached but you him have Cisco saying no comment <laughs> right so uh, there is chances of like this whole Picard being the cutest still thing that might continue on in this season, which I'm finding really interesting because I thought it was a one-off. Mm. But now that he is synthetic, I think they may, and that I think they may be doing this whole thing of as great as we all see Admiral Picard as being, mm-hmm. there was this period of time where he destroyed millions of lives, mm. th- thousands of lives. Unbeknownst to him, he was still, he was Lucutus, yeah. but he wasn't, he was still Picard in a way because he came back from it. Yeah. So a lot of people harbor um, basically xenophobia towards the Borg mm-hmm. as well as uh, essentially hatred towards Picard. Exactly. So basically I think they may be kind of playing on the – remember how great Picard is? Well, 
Not everyone thinks that. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and and Shaw is totally embodying back. that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think Cisco might be back for part of that as well. I know. Yeah. I know. All of us DS Nine fans absolutely hope we would get to see Benjamin Cisco one more time, just at least to explain what happened and what's happened to him since the end of uh, of of D Space Nine. But, is a changeling? Um, no, uh, we don't want to see a changeling version of it. We'd like to see the the actor back in the role uh, and I'd like to see what happened to Benjamin Cisco. But uh, my understanding is that Avery Brooks has um, a very complicated uh, history with Star Trek and when he finished his final day on set kind of said that's that's it for me. Oh okay I, so then maybe I'm, he's just I'm moving on. But you never know. It's been yeah. it's been quite a few decades now and maybe the last opportunity with a really good story maybe uh, it'll draw him back on board. So he can come back as a changeling. Then he's not Cisco. Yeah, but it, I, I mean, the actor is the one that has the challenge, oh, I not know, the character. I, know, I think I the character can be written <laughs> into know. the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe not played by every Brooks. But you feel like they've given this story to Shaw so that they can use a story they may have used with, uh, yes. with Cisco. But, um, but anyway, you're totally right. I'd, I'd love to have them back. Um, John, is that it for your major it is, moment? Yes. Chris, how about yourself? What's your major moment from the episode? Cowabunga, dude! Let's ride away. <laughs> You're um, still happy after the new uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, yes, trailer this week, exactly. Chris? Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, that's a separate. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, this this for me was fun. This yeah. was again. I know they they built the whole wider story of this episode around forming the the the, the crew coming together, mm-hmm. believing in in everyone's role and knowledge and everything like that. Loved it. But for me. It was, again, very next generation of how they got out of this. Like, open the nacelle ports, and they're going to pull the energy in, and we're going to ride this wave. We're going to, like, low jacket, <laughs> which is very Riker. It's part of the card uh-huh. that they took the science officer. Like, the only bit they were missing, which was Geordi going, yes, I can do this kind of thing. Yeah. But they'll obviously have that later on. And f- I found it fun. It's Again, it just brought fun back to this to this season so far like this episode i yeah. was just like yeah this is old school star trek it's just like they're in a, they're in a predicament mm-hmm. they're gonna figure out a way to get out of it absolutely not just a predicament chris a no win scenario yes the episode yes exactly <laughs> <It's right there. laughs> but they well technically it's it's an oxymoron because they do win exactly and they get out of it yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no no really, such thing in, in Star Trek as a no win scenario. We we found that with well, the uh, Cobrashi Maru, exactly, yeah. which yeah. is which is exactly the the way that Kirk turned that on his head led to his legend. Right, it's supposed to be a no win scenario, and he found a way out of it. So, yeah. uh, well, yeah. and it's it's to it's to your quote to begin with, mm-hmm. which is you know if your crew are together, you are never without hope. Exactly. Effectively, yeah. um, I think it was it was it was really fun, um. You know, outrageous, but really good fun. And, but not only that, it's, it, it has that link to that quote. It has mm-hmm. where Beverly says, you know, in terms of the plan to ride the waves, well, you know, the doubt there, she's like, well, let's do what we've spent our lives being great at doing, mm-hmm. you know? I just thought it was really good. And of course, you have Picard back in the captain's chair mm-hmm. and yes. engage. Exactly. Like, it's just phenomenally, like, 
brilliant. Oh, they are hitting the nostalgia buttons yeah. so well this season. Loved it. Yes, loving it, loving it. Really, really enjoyed those moments. Good stuff, Chris. Uh, anything else on that, Chris? Nope, that was it. Uh, Derek, what about yourself? What was your kind of prime directive on this one? I went really sad for my prime directive moment, my final my final <laughs> moment. Um, I, gu- I guess we just have to cover all the points in the episode, so I- I'm left to talk about um, the moment where Picard is um, in front of all of the the young ensigns five years ago, and we find out that actually Jack did pay him a visit throughout the episode. We've seen him try to reconnect with Jack or try to um, have some connection with Jack, not even reconnect because he never knew him before. But um, but we hear Jack kind of going, "I'm fine. I'm alone. I live my life alone. I'm fine with never having anybody else around me." And uh, Picard saying to him, "You know, um, but I think I need this before." before it all ends. I think I'm the one that needs to yeah. co- create this connection with you. But we find out that there was a point that Jack um, did try to reach out to Picard. We, ha- we had heard before that um, Beverly had told him about Jean-Luc, um, but didn't know what happened with that. And here we see that Jack was there at the moment when um, Picard was talking to the ensigns within Starfleet as an older man, as a retired man, giving um giving out advice to all of these young startups and they ask him the question as to why he never had a family was it did he find it difficult and he says well Starfleet was his family he didn't need anything more than that unbeknownst to him his son is in the room about to reconnect with him and Jack decides well if he doesn't want a family I'm not going to uh I'm not going to reconnect with him and leaves so there was a point that Jack did reach out to him, yeah. uh, which we did wonder about last week. How could they go that many years without reaching out? Uh, Beverly did leave it to Jack to make that decision and had heard that Jack didn't. Well, he's, he didn't reach out to him. He spied on him, effectively. Like, he, he kind of cased the yeah. joint, really, to see whether he wanted Picard uh, as, okay. as his father. Okay, I, I took it that he was there to meet up with Picard and when, yeah, he was. And when these kids all went up hero-worshipping hero Jean-Luc, he sat back and then after hearing that statement from Picard, he was going, well, if he doesn't want kids, I'm not going to be his kid and left, basically. So, Well, it's it yeah. wasn't the... He, he did, I mean, that's the thing, because it's all off the back of, you mm-hmm. know, where he's saying kind of the, the final bit of stage advice from, from Picard, where it's like, you know, the crew are a part of you, they lift you up, help you to do things you can't do on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, in that sense... He then, you know, he says, and Starfleet was the only family he ever needed. Mm-hmm. But that's again, I think it comes back to the fact he had no idea his son was there, mm-hmm. you know, at all. And this feels like, you know, at that moment, knowing how his life has gone, that's what he would say. It's to his the conversation that him and Beverly had in the earlier episode yeah. about, well, I couldn't make the choice with the information so this is all out of context and i do feel uh, yeah jack should ultimately have gone well did you mean that yeah you know even if it was anonymously without having to say well i'm your son um it, it would feel a little bit weird if somebody in the bar shouted over to him going did you mean that <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but after gonna, asking him the question yeah, in the but first place go yeah. over and say oh i was hearing what you were saying you know mm. did you really because effectively, all the cadets came over and said, "Oi, let your fish and chips go cold." Um, I'm gonna. Talk. Which was the worst. I know. The worst of that. I'd be like, "All right, lads, I'll chat to you. Just like you don't. Yeah. I don't want a soggy fish here." I know. Give me a moment. I'm exactly. eating. Um, 
But there is also, to add to the point, there is also that Jack's about 18 here. He's, it's five years ago. Jack's about 23, roughly, in the show. I know he's played a little older. The reason why Beverly didn't tell him about, uh, about Picard when he was younger was because, and took him away, was because Picard always put Starfleet first, right? So this is what he's been hearing for many years before going out to seek Jean-Luc at this moment. He's heard that Jean-Luc will always put Starfleet ahead of anything else. That If he's asked to go run across the galaxy, he does it. We, we saw that at the start of the season. He's still doing it uh, all the time. So he now has a real example in the real world of Jean-Luc Picard standing in front of people going, Starfleet is my family. That's all, the only family I ever needed. So while it is out of context, it matches the context, the only context Jack has about Jean-Luc Picard. So that's yeah. probably why he yeah. takes it much harsher than just overhearing something or just yeah. somebody else reiterating something. He's just heard something that confirmed the worst possible version of Picard that he, that he believes he is, that that he's someone that will always push Starfleet ahead of family. So, uh, and he's kind of confirmed it right there. So, uh, so yeah, a, really, he a little heartbreaking scene, he, but at least they're together in real time. But he doesn't say he puts Starfleet over I family. Know. I know. He, he says it's the only family he, needed. he ever needed. Exactly. You know. Yeah. yeah. But it, I still think. Yeah, it's a little unfair, ultimately, on Jean-Luc. In hindsight, of course. Yeah, yeah and we exactly. and we know Jean-Luc, so we know he wouldn't. He didn't mean to say that if he was asked that directly by his son. Do you want to know me, your 18-year-old son that you didn't know about before now? I'm sure Jean-Luc would have, wouldn't have said, no, Starfleet's the only family I want. Get out, exactly. boy. Um, he never would have said that, of course, but we know Uh Jack didn't know him at this point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, at, le- is, at least they're yeah. together now. At least they can repair that relationship. But it must be a heartbreaking moment for Picard to realize that this is the only time his well, son... I like the fact that there is the kind of realization on Picard that he remembers him from that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, or the strong suggestion of that happening yes. anyway. And so that's kind of interesting. It's also after Shaw's outburst, you know, you do see Jack telling him to you know back off back off effectively and that's enough Mm -hmm. Uh, understanding you know the complexity of uh, what Jean-Luc went through as much as the rest of all those ships at the battle so you know there are little pulses um, dare I say it Mm -hmm. of of things beginning to sort of mesh these two together you know yeah. The one question I had, though, was maybe it's just because he looked younger, but the moment of Jack in the mirror, mm-hmm. was that from that time five years ago, or was that there and then aboard the Titan? I took it as being above the Titan. Above yeah, okay, okay. Titan, yeah. It's just, I think, above because he looked a lot younger <laughs> in that moment, and I, I suddenly was That's like... That's just because he had his top off. I guess so. He had the Star Trek pet. <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I guess, uh, rather than the Marvel abs. Um, uh, I look for me. I Picard in this one. Picard falls into the PR line for Starfleet Academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is exactly. They, they, it's the army. It's like the the only family you'll need is the army Starfleet. Like you fall into that line when you're speaking to cadets. Mm-hmm. Like you would do that. Yeah. So well, I fully get exactly Picard what he does here. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I think it, it's he's he's speaking to the cadets. It's a line to get them. It's the camaraderie, isn't it? Exactly. You know? Yeah. The the only the only additional 
bit. I I had two questions, and then we'll kind of close up because like these could also be notes. Exactly. One is how does Picard remember that conversation and seeing Jack? Because I'm like, I'm not Picard's <laughs> age. I would if you came to me with I asked a question five years ago to you, it just in the middle of a bar on a non on a Wednesday afternoon, <laughs> not a special day. Do you remember? I'd be like, no. Like, <laughs> no I don't way. even know what I had for breakfast last week. Come uh, on. <laughs> I guess because now he's a synthetic. Uh, maybe I'm the, hoping that's Maybe it. the pulse also affected him and he suddenly got a charge of, of, of <laughs> megabytes. <Memory. Yeah. laughs> he has mega memory. Yeah. I remember what I did this day like when I was 16. Instant yeah. recall. Okay. You know? There you go. Um, I like that. I like but that. yeah. I mean, other than the, the whole notion of like, oh, okay, you look familiar, you know, or that deja vu moment, yeah. maybe. Um, maybe. But yeah, I, I, I would be the same. That was funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Final question. On Jack, mm-hmm. I really hope he's not a fake son. Right. They've played that card before. We discussed this in the first two yeah. episodes. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm hoping it's something more, way more, because... That okay, I get it. You there's only so many stories you can tell, but like you've they've literally done yeah. that story in Star Trek, yeah, where Picard had a fake son and he thinks it's his son. It starts to bond with him, and then it turns out it's not a son. No, I, I, I think it makes sense that this is that this is his real son now. Um, yeah, but I really do want to know what it is about Jack that that the uh, changelings want. There's something there. There has to be yeah. something about him that's different and unusual. Yeah. I don't think but he sees things <laughs> and hears things. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think he's a changeling. I don't think they've replaced uh, Jack with a changeling or something like that. Yeah. But um, because I feel like the arcs of Picard have been pretty um, specific to the Picard character. The first season, the letting go of data, him, him dying and coming and then, and coming back and getting rid of that brain tumor effectively that could kill him at any yeah. day. Um, season two was all about um, letting go of uh, of the trauma he'd suffered as a child. And season three here seems to be about him accepting that fatherhood effectively, or accepting the, the actual family that he could have had. So uh, I think that's hopefully where we end the season is, uh, is, um, him riding off into the sunset uh, on a, on a spaceship with the sun. Yeah. It's <laughs> interesting. And there's part of me, where it's just niggling that Picard has to sacrifice mm-hmm. himself yeah, here yeah, yeah. from from this season so far. Yeah, something like that. He sacrificed himself for his son. That's, yeah. that's also a, a similar arc. Um, I know it's not as happy an ending, but it is a, a similar type of arc. But I, I think it's going to play into the fact that he now has a son, something he didn't have at any stage previously yeah. in the history of Picard. So uh, good stuff. Yeah, good good questions, Chris. I'm sure we'll uh, fill those out as the season goes on. Uh, any other notes, any other points about the episode that you want to talk about? Uh, none from me. I just want to mention... Uh, because we had said last week Worf calling out René Abergenoir as Odo and him being such yeah. a great man. I did like in this episode where we had uh, the conversation between Shaw and uh, Seven where he was talking about the receptacle that holds uh, the changelings. Uh, you can see a photograph of René Abergenoir as Odo um, there. So uh, Odo from DS9 making a little a little cameo in this season, which is quite nice. Uh, can I ask you a really quick question of course. as a follow-up? Where are we with the changelings? Like at the end of DS9, changelings are good. Mm. Like they just a neutral entity. And where was the end of the, the Dominion War? What like where are like is it just two different factions of the changelings? 
I know I missed last week's episode. <laughs> you probably discussed this. Uh, but for those in the back. I, I, I don't really want to um, go through. Or I, I won't go the full, through the full ending because it was a massive ending with loads of different threads that were tied up from a seven season show in the last couple of episodes. So I'd highly recommend going out and watching all of DS, DS9. It's the best series of, of Star Trek. But um, basically the leader of uh, of the changelings was uh, arrested and taken away. The rest of the changelings all went back and into the Great Link, and Odo joined them to try and uh, and help them and uh, stop them from attacking other people. To they came to an agreement that that would be the end of the war, effectively. So, uh, okay. so he went and joined them, uh, basically. Um, yeah, uh, what we heard in discussions in these episodes in the last couple of weeks is that this changeling faction are. Uh, a breakaway group from that group who don't agree with the settlement that happened at the end of the Dominion okay. War. So, uh, so this group isn't, or at least has split away from the rest of the changelings. Okay, there cool. you go. That's okay, that's that's, that's, that's the best I can I can offer uh, right now. But I know I want to go and watch uh, D- Deep Space Nine again, especially as these episodes go on and we get more and more connections to Deep Space Nine. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, uh, great memories watching that show as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that's it for points and notes then. Uh, overall, what did you guys think of Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 4? No win scenario. Chris? I loved it. This is old school Star Trek Next Generation for me. That's all I really need to say for it. Like, it's literally a classic episode. You've got the aliens. You've got the unwinnable situation. You've got them coming together. You've got all of it. So, quick and dirty, I loved this episode. It was just fun. One of the best episode Picards to date. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Uh, about yourself, John? Yep, I'm the same. Absolutely love this. I'd give it five hyperdrive fried space calamari out of five. Nice. Um, yeah. Bit of salt and pepper. A bit of lemon. Yeah, a bit of salt. lemon, bit yeah. of salt. Absolutely. Right. Uh, yum. Oh. We are clearly um, getting hungrier as the episode goes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, I, I really love this. Um, I just loved how they. I didn't really mention it previously. I loved how they resolve Riker and, and Picard's sort of big bust up mm-hmm. as well. I, I just thought that was kind of tastefully done in a sense, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm just enjoying C- Captain Shaw beyond belief, um, you know, where you've got the beep on the door and he's like, don't open, don't open. And it opens uh, as Seven of Nine uh-huh. comes in. You know, can I speak officially? No. Can I speak unofficially? No. no. I mean, he's just really, really good. Great. Yeah. And I love the the relationship with Seven of Nine because Seven Seven of Nine is just so precise. You know, so um, disciplined because of the whole Borg element yes. as well. Yeah. You know, and, and this discipline, but she does like to uh, go against orders from yes. her commanding officers. But, which I love. Um, and, and so I like how they, those two pair up mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole just, you know, we got engaged, we got the space creatures, we got the no win, but actually a win scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, I it was just really, really good. Uh, we got uh, Captain Vadic's comeuppance and, yeah, creepy communication technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you imagine people really wouldn't um, get very big uh, phone bills if that was uh, what happened, <laughs> if you need to talk to someone? I certainly like, wouldn't be making very many phone calls about to cut only, off my own arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to take my nose off now. Despite me face. You know? yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, but I, I really enjoyed that. And then the intrigue with with Jack at the end, you know, hearing the voices uh, and what what is that you know uh, so yeah I, I really enjoyed this 
Um, so many touch points back to fantastic episodes of Star Trek, but it, they felt right. They yeah. didn't feel shoehorned. So it was really good. So yeah, five hyperdrive fried space calamari with salt and pepper and a bit of lemon out of five. Yum, yum. All right. Derek, what about yourself? Yeah, absolutely love this episode. The only other thing that I think we hadn't talked about in the episode and hadn't touched on the episode is the performance of Jonathan Thrakes himself throughout the episode of, of Riker. In, in the episode, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Another great moment between himself and Picard, as as you say, yeah. as he uh, as he forgives Jean-Luc and apologizes to him for not taking his advice earlier. thought that was a fantastic scene. But I also think that quiet moment when he's resigned to the fact that he's going to die and not going to be able to go back um, to see Deanna Troy again. He'd had the conversation with Picard, telling him about the loss of his son, how much that affected him, the worst moment in his life. And then he has to try and record a final farewell message to uh, Deanna Troy. I thought those those two moments um, were were absolutely brilliant from yeah. Jonathan Frakes. Really, really good. And we didn't get to talk about them because there were no. so many other points yeah. to talk about That's in the episode, true. which is which is a stuffed packed full episode of Picard when there's this many great things to talk about so uh, loved it really really good absolutely uh, mantras in Frakes we trust yes we do yes, yes we do for sure good stuff let's get on to some feedback from our wonderful fellow Trekkies yes first up we got an email in from one of our listeners over on uh, feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com they say hi enjoying the Picard podcast thanks for sharing your thoughts and knowledge with us I think you missed an important line from episode 3 Will Riker says to Jack, I have a daughter and I had a son. He later tells Picard to make the most of any time with children. As a grieving parent who recently lost a son, this line carried great depth. Jonathan Frakes acting as he talks to Picard in the moment was excellent and the almost dismissal of that moment by Picard showed the character's own inner turmoil as he discovered he had a son, but at that moment a son who didn't acknowledge or want to know him. Patrick Stewart's acting was also exceptional in this moment. It would take some exceptionally strong narrative decisions to keep father and son estranged hollywood rarely if ever has the courage to show grief and loss in realistic ways it will find the happier ending keep up the good work and congratulations on a great show thanks so much for your feedback thanks so much for your email yeah it's a it's a it was really well handled and i think even more so in this episode i know we missed out in this specific line uh in that discussion last week uh between picard and and uh and will Riker, but yeah. i think it led into even an even further uh, examination of grief, uh, which they don't traditionally do exactly as you say. Well, that's it. And uh, But even where you have Riker saying, you know, about how Deanna f- feels everything and she couldn't cope that I felt nothing, yeah. that nothing was coming off me, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it was just really, really good for yeah. sure. Yeah. And it, it's good that even at the, the very end where Riker is talking to Diana and she, yes. she says he's going to try and it's that working on the grief, yes. working yeah. no longer to block everything and be still, but more to accept his emotions and move beyond that part. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting kind of digest of or versioning of grief, yeah. as you said, or as the, 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 the our, our kind of feedback yeah. says. Um, I wonder if they'll touch on it more because we do know Diana will be in this season more as well. So maybe in the next episode, next episode, mm. next episode. Yeah, I, I really can't wait to see uh, Diana. I uh, hope so. In. She's only been on a view screen now, um, three, yeah. three times, once in flashback, and then uh, this episode. Um, so I hope we're actually going to see her in in live action. We'd tell if she got uh, if she got just 
the only cameos on a screen and every other member of cast <laughs> comes on board the Titan. Yeah. It'd be terrible, wouldn't it? No, I think there's a screenshot. There was a still of her in the flesh, yeah. not yeah. In, in the vid screen. Yeah, I hope, I hope so. I, hope so, I know so she's too. had a few episodes uh, of Picard so far, but it'd be great since everybody yeah. else is coming back to have a, a moment with her. Definitely. Uh, great yeah. stuff. Thanks so much for your feedback. Very kind of you to, to send in an email to us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on Facebook for last week's episode, uh, Donald Dennis says, Picard is pretty good, but it doesn't seem to be quite up to where Strange New Worlds is, or even Lower Decks. Seriously, Lower Decks has been a breath of fresh air. It's a good nostalgia fix, and the Wharf combat scene was both amazing and 20 years too late. (laughs) One thing that bothers me about most sci-fi shows, this included, is just how bad the tactics are. I really expected that by the second or third time the Shrike used the wormhole weapon, the Federation folks would have figured that they needed to time their attacks and movements with the wormhole tech in mind. A science officer should have reported it takes X seconds to recharge or something like that. Launch a torpedo or two, but then launch the rest at the Shrike after it has already opened up one wormhole. Or unleash a full barrage of everything right after they try to flee the Shrike and get teleported back in front of it. Or, and I know this never happens in Star Trek, remove the saucer section and do something fancy with it. Mm. Still, I'm enjoying Picard overall, even though most of it seems to be callbacks and Easter eggs. Yeah, thanks so much, Donald, for the feedback. Um, yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, you should be heading off to the U.S. Armed Forces now, yeah. actually. Uh, I think Don's uh, basically <laughs> putting in his proposal to be in Starfleet. Those, know, are, great, exactly. those are great tactics. Absolutely. <laughs> um, stuff. Or at least the science officer, yes. I guess, yeah. where he could like say, what are you doing, lads? Tactical officer, John. You know? Yeah. Yeah. X seconds, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, got I'll, saucer as well. Well, that's absolutely one. I, one I love. I think everybody wants the saucer section to be removed. I think when it was first said that that's something that could be done on all of these ships, all the fans are like, "Please remove yeah. it. Let's see what it looks like." And it does happen on occasion in the show. It's very, very rare that it happens. I think it's it's uh, it's also happened in one of the movies before as well. But uh, very, very rare that you see the saucer section removed. It was on the Next Generation episode around uh, Wolf Three Five Nine where they do separate the saucer section. Of put it back on but the only way you know is that the light color has changed they don't show it from the outside <laughs> uh, i love that uh, i loved it when it split up and then they used both of them to attack at one of the seasons mm. yeah. and i was like yes <laughs> yes come on like, finally. someone else go into the other little mini bridge and you keep this main bridge and we'll fire together exactly uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. that was great yeah and it's good to hear that you're enjoying the the show uh sort of overall you know the, as well good stuff Thanks, Donald. Yes, thanks, Donald. Uh, Next up, we have some feedback from Dr. Bob Phillips, who had this to say. Nil out of five cardiac restarting certificates for this one. Well, one bit. It's called a defibrillator because it stops fibrillation. Fibrillation being the wibbling of the electrical activity of the heart. The flatline is non-existent activity. Mm -hmm. It can't be shocked back. Plus, if oxygen is needed, then Jack needed gas exchange, not jumpy shock treatment. Mm. I mean, honestly, is this all invented or what? (laughs) Love it. Ignoring that, though, I did like the crumbling of the legend and the evolution of our understanding of Jean-Luc and lost parenthood. Was everyone else counting pink elephants from the point Will said go to Jean-Luc Picard appearing at the bedside? Was it 17? Was it 17 seconds, do you think? 
Oh, maybe. <laughs> I know. I I always, I have to say I always do that when the Death Star in Star Wars Episode Four, it, and and you've got the countdown to them effectively blowing up the Rebel base, mm. and it's like. I think the Death Star would have done it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Dramatic tension, though, John. Abs- no, absolutely. Absolutely. But as a kid, I was like going, oh, no, they would have died. <laughs> Dr. Bob went on to say, I also very much appreciate the writer pointing out the immediate scans of blunt abdominal trauma can be wrong. Mm. This is something there's a hardcore of trauma doctors who keep on reminding folks about, as immediately ultrasounds can give the wrong answer. Well, there you have everything and all your doctor and scientific news from Dr. Bob Phillips for this episode. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Absolutely. Bob. Absolutely. Yeah. Always, always good. There was a moment in, in this week's Last of Us episode that I'd love if Dr. Bob was watching because I'm still not too sure if uh, a particular character would be alive given uh, the medical treatment they received. There we go. That's all I'll say. Don't well, there we that. go. I do, I do also, it is my new favorite term for the wibbling of the electrical activity yes. of the heart. Love it. Wibble. I wonder if you wear underpants on your head and two pencils up your nose for wibbling of the electrical activity of the heart. What a reference. (laughs) Deep cut Blackadder reference for all of the Blackadder fans out there. Excellent. I wonder, does it say that on the back of the box, though? This is a defibrillator. It's for wibbling the electrical activity of the heart. (laughs) Hilarious. (laughs) It's for wibbling only, not wobbling. If you're wobbling, wobbling, you need a (laughs) Or some jelly. Or... Or or talk to your local doctor. A plate of jelly. Yeah. Uh, Always talk to your doctor if you're having a wibbling or what. Absolutely. Yeah. Smash here for emergency jelly. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Bob. Uh, Joe Herbert says, we enjoyed this episode more than the first two, but I guess I'm going to have to believe that somehow birth control for men and women in the 24th century is no better than what we have today. <laughs> <laughs> and I still don't buy Beverly not telling Picard he has a son. She was so worried about his safety that once he's maybe an older teen she's taking him on dangerous missions outside federation space such that he has multiple bounties on his head by now. <laughs> absolutely good points joe good points yeah, very good points uh, uh joe indeed um thanks joe yeah thanks joe and on this week's episode we have some feedback in uh on episode four uh we Got a message from trevor green who says that's some damn good track easily the best episode of the series so far yeah totally agree trevor good stuff heather wallace also says what a great way of working in the kind of old-school encountering unknown species story that was typical of Next Gen's stand-alone episodes into a series that has an overarching narrative. Mm-hmm. The jellyfish space babies were a bit corny, but still rather cute. Although, as an Australian, I know to give all jellyfish a respectful distance. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I was wrong about Will being a changeling. It was much more powerful to see him at odds with John Luke Picard as himself. Although I'm glad it was resolved quickly this week. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Heather says, really interesting that just as Jack realized the benefit of working with a team, John Luke realized his own Starfleet family is the only family I need spiel was what made his own son choose not to know him. Mm. Is Vadik a changeling? Why would she need to cut off her hand to create talking goo (laughs) when your baddie is really, really scared of someone? The tension just ratchets up. Mm -hmm. Also, thanks, showrunners, for answering my question. Apparently, it is 
a mark of respect to give your late husband's name to the kids you had in secret with his best friend. <laughs> Last thoughts. Shaw is an absolute standout character. Give him his own show. Oh, yes. Uh, absolutely. In fact, you could almost see Shaw uh, doing live-action Lower Decks um, in, in some respects. Just great comedy. I could uh, see that. Timing. I could see him crossing over with Lower Decks, see him appearing yeah, on, that, definitely. on that show in some way. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, thanks, Heather, uh, for, for the feedback. Certainly totally agree. I'm really glad that the... The Jean Luc and Will Riker um, argument was resolved quickly, but I'm I'm glad it was there because I think it just adds that dimension. Because I mean, it felt yeah. really brutal. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. I'm not. I can't remember like Jean Luc Picard can five years ago. I can't remember at least what twenty year, over twenty years ago now as to the type of arguments that they would have gotten into. But this felt really raw and, um, yeah almost fatal a bit to yeah. to their relationship so i'm oh, yeah. glad it got resolved quickly uh, as well absolutely yeah thanks heather the um for me the mark of respect is always naming your current fa- son after your ex oh, come on yeah. it's just yeah. come on. it's just it's the ultimate kind of like f you we'll call it that <laughs> like it's just like you peed me off I'm gonna, I'm gonna name my son after you. Well, at least John Luke said he would have also yes, named it after Jack. He would have, yeah. Also yeah. So that makes sense. And I guess for Vadic, I guess that's just what changelings do in order to have a long distance phone call with their their leader. Mm. I guess, or, or unless they need part of the goo that has is connected to the Great Link, or it's something to do with that. I don't know, but um, yeah. Looks really, really painful to have a long distance call, to be honest. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Uh, and yes, I'm here for the Shaw 7 kind of buddy cop show where they have their own kind of the captain and first officer. That's a good one. Like, and then they, they end up falling in love and it's all this thing. It's going to be great. Okay. Yeah, no, no, that's the way. When you have two <laughs> completely, like, characters, a male and a female, that are always at each other's throats and don't a complete opposite. What about Raffi? She's still in a relationship with Raffi Musker. Well, we don't know that. We don't know that she is or isn't. Well, yeah, but there's still a possibility, I guess. Well, yes. I mean, quite frankly, when you said Shaw 7, I just thought it was like Saw 7, but just in space. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be kind of I in a holodeck, trapped too. in I'd a holodeck. You know, how do I get out of this with a, you know, a psycho mannequin thing uh, going (laughs) after you? That would be cool. Heather, thank you so much. We have another piece of feedback from Victor Von Doom Mm -hmm. who had this to say, this season seems to get better with every episode. Todd Stashwick nearly stole the episode. I initially thought Shaw's confrontation with Picard in the bar was bad form, but reminded they were all facing death and he had some things to get off his chest. Yeah. I like his collaboration with Seven to catch the changing. Perhaps Seven should have put his pot in a bag, but she made good <laughs> on her second shot at him. Is Vadic actually sharing her body with the changeling? Hmm. Creepy. The changeling's natural form was a lot more organic and scarier than presented in DS9. Mm-hmm. Riker's revenge on the Shriek was amusing and fitting of his personality. 
I am eager to learn why Jack is so important to the changing and see more of Raffi and Worf in action and meet their handler. The reference to Farpoint was a nice touch. I am putting this episode on the ballot for best episode. Good stuff. Love it, Victor. Yeah, thanks, Victor. And yeah, honestly, the throwing an asteroid back at the Shriek was just perfect. Yeah. Karma. Kishmit. Very cool. And, and Victor, um, I like what you've said there is Vadic actually sharing her body with a changeling mm. rather than mm. being a changeling, which is basically what I was thinking. So I think that's a nice little twist that, um, she could be sharing her body and that's how she gets to talk to him. Uh, so yeah, that's really good stuff. And yeah, it would be very creepy. So it's not actually like a long distance call at all. It's like she is being controlled by the the big bat. And if Vadic is sharing her body with a changeling, could Jack be sharing his body uh, with exactly. a changeling that they want back? Especially <gasps> with that ending. That's what I mean. It was like mm. Mm, links. Yeah. Just didn't get the I didn't think Just of didn't... the sharing the body, sort of body See? snatcher type yeah. approach to it. So yeah, really kinda of like that theory, Victor. This is why we love feedback. Yes. Yes. Excellent stuff. We have one final piece of feedback. We have a voicemail in from Matt Murdock who gives us thoughts on the music for Chapter 4 of Star Trek Picard Season 3. Hi all, Matt here again. Really enjoyed Part 4 this time around. And I wanted to revisit the theme that I talked about before. We heard it a lot this episode. And I'm still not exactly sure what it means exactly in terms of what it represents. Maybe it doesn't represent anything other than the show, but it was used really well in this particular episode. From the moment after Picard says engage, you hear it littered throughout that entire musical sequence where they're trying to ride the wave to get out all the way through to witnessing the birth and all of these new beings that have been brought forth into the universe. And I don't want to pinpoint them all out or, or break them down because I already kind of talked about how it works. But it was used in different kinds of harmonic contexts that those harmonies give them different types of emotions. But this basic motif appeared a lot. Love that it's being used this way. It's very versatile kind of motif because of its melodic shape. It can be put over several different types of chords to create different kinds of emotions depending on what note of the chord that the motif is actually starting on. But the other thing that I wanted to bring up is what occurs just before Picard says engaged. And that was the way that Stephen Barton used the old main theme and placed chords that kind of walked up, which made it great for right after Riker told Picard to take the con. It was a nice way to really use that main theme. It's actually played between two different sets of instruments, the French horns and the trumpets. It's like the French horns play it first, the trumpets play it second. But underneath, there's also low brass playing these chords that walk up the scale. And what that does is it adds power to it. It adds momentumness. Is that a word? To it. And I just loved it. It's really hard to replicate on a piano with just 10 fingers because so many instruments are doing so many different things. And some notes are being held out while that same note is being played, which is really hard to duplicate as well. But it sounds like this. 
it really just uses a simple diatonic scale, just walking up. But that helps it build to a point where it, it's starting to feel more important. It's not just the melody on its own. It's not a solo mission. It's everybody getting behind Picard. And I loved that. So that was one of the things that I really loved. And like I said, I love the use of that motive that I still don't know if it represents anything or not. But just go back from the time that Picard says engage and see how many times you can count that you hear that motive being used. Sometimes it resolves in different places. You hear that main motive, but sometimes the note that's after is different. And that also depends on the emotional and the harmonic context. It's really cleverly used. I know I counted at least five. Anyway, that's all I got, guys. Really enjoyed the episode. Take care. Thanks so much, as always, for your thoughts, Matt. That's uh, some fascinating thoughts. Yeah, thanks so much, Matt. I really enjoyed, um, as always, your feedback and just how you know these these themes that we hear are so beloved, and, and maybe that's the only, uh, I you know, that's the only thing that it means here. It is the nostalgic mm. element, um, but how that can be changed and brought into these different kind of situations by as you say doing the those diatomic scales and, and sort of layering in you know to to build and, and give it that momentum mm-hmm. so I, I really um yeah really interesting stuff as always matt um and thanks yeah thanks matt i'll actually be completely honest i didn't even notice it i was too kind of transfixed on them riding the wave mm. uh, as you say like and as it grew so i'm gonna have to go back and watch this one but it's good thank you for picking these things out and actually kind of telling us and the fellow trekkies and trekkers about it because again i did notice and now i'm like oh cool what else have they done i'm gonna go back and so, check all about the visuals chris you were uh you were just caught by the uh by the beautiful lighting um i am yeah. that's what happens <laughs> all the time i love it i love it we got a last bit of feedback in from Gail Cleary just before we put out the podcast. So I've got to go, got to read through it now. Um, Gail says, hi, gentlemen. First off, congratulations on your 750th episode. I truly enjoy your podcast. You're smart, insightful, funny, and respectful of all the properties you cover. You never fail to help me appreciate what I've just watched even more. Thanks, Gail. Yeah. Thanks, Gail. That's really nice. Yeah, really nice. Uh, Gail continues saying, I have been loving your your coverage of Picard. I just finished watching No Win Scenario, and this is the show I've been waiting three seasons for. <laughs> I'm loving how much Picard has returned to cinematic form and how it now feels like we are finally in the Next Generation universe again. I am grateful that they're finally able to give us a show the fans have been wanting now that the pandemic has stopped affecting production. As much as I'm loving this season, it is also bittersweet for me. I feel like I'm watching Patrick Stewart pour his heart into giving us one final piece of truly great work to remember him by. And now I'm crying. I loved how much this episode focused on remembrance and valuing relationships from our past. I know that you will do an excellent job talking about the episode, and I wonder if it would be okay for me to relate to you an extremely important story to me about Patrick Stewart from my past. Absolutely. Of course, absolutely. Love hearing uh, this kind of feedback. Uh, I'm 56. One of my earliest memories is watching Captain Kirk and Spock on a fuzzy black and white TV. I started watching it when I was five years old and it went into reruns on one of the three channels we got in Canada back in the day. I was hooked, hooked, I say. It sparked in me a lifelong love of science fiction and optimism about the goodness of people who work to create better futures for us all. But even as a little girl, I found a lot of the original Star Trek hokey. Then the next generation came out. I was a dirt poor student who had to borrow a 
loans and work a full-time job while going to university. But when that show came out, I used my grocery money to get a TV and allowed myself one hour per week of TV watching to watch every episode. That show blew my mind and made me so happy. Picard was my captain, and so he remained for 35 years. In 1991, I went to visit Stanley Park in Vancouver, which in my opinion is the most beautiful park in the world. Despite the many, many gorgeous things in that park, the one that riveted me was the black squirrels in the trees. I hadn't seen a black squirrel in years since I was a child in Montreal and had to play with them. I ran to a vendor and bought the most expensive bag of peanuts and popcorn I had ever purchased in my life. Then I picked a spot where I could see squirrels and started calling them. Little five foot one me stood there calling squirrels at the top of my piercing soprano voice until it... A veritable herd of them rushed out of the trees and came bounding across the grass to me. I dropped to my knees and started handing out treats. I would occasionally start calling again to coax the most reluctant ones out of their safe spaces. Suddenly I heard a quiet cough behind me. That voice said, Excuse me, I beg your pardon. I've been watching you for a while and I decided that I simply had to meet the young lady with the power to call the very squirrels out of the trees. I turned my head and Patrick Stewart was standing over my shoulder. My wow. brain melted. <laughs> he asked me if I thought I could teach him how to do that. I laughed. I gave him a crash course in Squirrel 101, and soon he was handing out peanuts too. We talked for a while. He asked about me and then told me that he was visiting a friend who lived across from the park. I assumed he meant Leonard Nimoy, but didn't ask. I had to stop down in a crazy urge to get him to take me to meet his friend. For fangirl me, talking to both of them would have been like dying and going to heaven. Instead, I concentrated on our talk. Mr. Stewart told me how much he loved coming to Canada, how friendly and respectful the people are, and how he always felt completely safe and at home when visiting us. To this day, this chance meeting in a park has been one of the highlights of my life. It's one of my happiest memories. Mr. Stewart is as nice and as delightful as I ever imagined he could be. But this was in the days before internet, and I never had the chance to connect later and tell him how much joy he brought to me in that small encounter. I still laugh at him calling me the Snow White of the North, and think of him daily when I feed the menagerie of wild animals who come seeking snacks on my back patio. Thank you, Mr. Stewart. You have brought me so much happiness over the years. I am thankful for the wonderful work you've given us. Thank you for this last outing with our beloved Captain Make It So, Gail. Excellent stuff, Gail. Yeah, great story. That's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, I can imagine he's really just so nice, mm -hmm. to be honest. Yeah, yeah, seems like a really genuine down to earth kind of yeah. kind of guy, you know. Um and yeah, you're you're absolutely right. The passion that he has for the work that he does comes through in everything he does. So uh so meeting him in real life and seeing what he's really like uh, as well is great. That's really cool. What a what a cool story to have. Yeah, fantastic stuff. It's such Gail. a beautiful place as well. I know we, we have been to Vancouver yeah. myself and John visited there a few years ago and spent I've only spent about a week there. Uh, and unfortunately Vancouver has so much in it that we couldn't cover everything. We couldn't see no. everything there. But well, we it, were in Whistler and Edmonton mm -hmm. and so on. As well, so, yeah, yeah, but the rest of our holiday, but we did spend about a week in, in Vancouver yeah. itself. But uh, but I, I would say, um, having looked at some photographs of uh, of that park, of Stanley Park, it looks like a gorgeous place. So maybe the next time we're in Vancouver, John, we'll get I to think, get well, out there. Well, I think we were kind of in it. Um, mm. I think because we went along the waterfront there yes, and then did. into briefly into the park. Yeah. But it was winter, so it was quite cold. It was. It was. <laughs> Thank you so much again, Gail, for sharing that story. That's really kind of you to, to think of us. And I'm glad you're enjoying our podcast about Picard. We feel the same way. Uh, I know TNG is a, as a massive show yeah. in our, in all, our all three of our pasts. Uh, so it's great to see them kind of coming back and telling a great story in that universe with so many characters uh, from the next generation as well. So, uh, yeah, really loving this and this episode, particularly a great episode. Yeah. Thanks so much, Gail. And thanks for your story. It's great sharing those memories with, uh, with everyone. 
Absolutely. Excellent stuff. Thanks so much for your feedback. If you want to get in contact with us, of course, you can send emails to us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. And a little later in our episode this time, we are we do have to take a trip to 10 Forward, John. We certainly do. Um, to get absolutely sloshed as the <laughs> ship crumbles, or should I say the pub crumbles around us. Uh-huh. Um, in our moment of need, the lights have a battery that allow them to still work. Excellent stuff. Do you know, I have to say, I did love that. I love the idea that when the ship crashes, you can go onto the holodeck. It's completely separated. You can't can't do anything about it. Everybody can just crowd on board, have a last moment wherever they want to spend yeah. their last moment. What a cool idea. And apparently... That's, it's a bar. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. It doesn't have to be. It can be whatever you, you want it to be. But apparently that is true to Star Trek, that that is something that they had in uh, in Voyager, that the, um, the holodeck is powered by something that can't be yeah. used used by the systems at all it doesn't it's incompatible power system so uh, so it is completely standalone so well done for reusing that for this moment definitely hard light energy hard light energy yeah um, kind of <laughs> hey let me get my red dwarf quote in i thought it might be red dwarf it. right rather than star trek yes <laughs> but fellow quizzes fellow trekkies welcome to the 10 forward pub quiz in your hour of need um question four from episode four what cheap bottle of whiskey do Picard and Jack share? Yes, happy St. Patrick's Day for next week, everybody. <laughs> exactly. It's slightly insulting, but nonetheless... <laughs> but it's fine. We thought we would ask it. Absolutely. John, do you want to ask it one more time? What cheap bottle of whiskey do Picard and Jack share? And I do hasten to add it's what they call a cheap bottle of whiskey. 100%. Yes, we'd be kicked yes. out uh, if we called it that. Yes. But why? Ooh, <laughs> that's too many hints. It is. It, it is. is. But that is the fourth question in our 10 forward pub quiz. Ten, six more questions to go. Uh, at the end of the season, pop in your email with all the answers to those 10 questions, and you could be in with a chance of getting your hands on some Star Trek Picard goodies. You can email us with those answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com, of course. Thanks so much for joining us. We will be back next week with the fifth episode of Star Trek Picard. Imposter. Ooh. Or will we yes. be back or will someone else be back? Oh, exactly. Well, yeah. exactly. Maybe the real versions of you two will be back next week. Maybe. But thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> thanks so much, guys. We'll speak to you again next week. Or will we? Yes, goodbye, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. And thank you for joining us on this space adventure with Star Trek Picard. As always, can't wait to speak and chat to you about the next episode. But mm. in the meantime... Keep watching, keep listening, and keep trekking. Find me. <laughs> I'm hungry for calamari. <laughs> I eat calamari. Make sure it's got lemon and salt on it. A bit of pepper. And some cheap whiskey. <laughs> Love it, right. 